Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you for those of you who've come up to me this morning and um, kindly asked if I'm having a midlife crisis. <laughs> it's very genuinely sweet of you to do so, but I'm not. I'm just proving I can do it, okay? Just. Um, I got this strange privilege in uh, just over a week, just to say it for those of you who know them, to, to take some time with uh, Pete and Barbie. And I'm saying it because if any of you uh, just want to, I don't know, write a card of your love for them or any encouragement for them, and um, I, I don't know, get it to somebody, somebody, this week, I could take them with me. It would be a huge encouragement for them if you want to just do it. It doesn't need to be deep and long. Just, you know, we love you, whatever. But if you want to do that, pop it on a card and give it Jonathan to... Give it to me. That's a good idea. Yep, I'm the one going. So I don't know how you do that. Maybe <laughs> that was an unadministrative announcement. Um, but I'd love that to take some cards. I did it once before. It's just, they just sat up all night reading cards from some of you guys here, so... Um, maybe put it in the church office by Friday. How about that? Thank you. Okay. So if you do want to watch the scores on your phone, pretending that you're looking at scriptures, could you just wave a hand of honesty when you do it? <laughs> um, this is a funny day because I'm aware there's this kind of other world going on and I felt like I was meant to speak to you about the compelling power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And um, you, 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 your response is really excited. Um, the compelling power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I, I want to do it not because it's a great message to do. I just felt I needed to do it today. And who knows when the cross of Jesus Christ is being lifted up, what can happen in a room to start deliverance, healing, release, exchange, even a new start with Jesus, because the cross is the centerpiece of all history. And the cross seems to arouse all sorts of strong feelings either way. Some people, <clears throat> they discover the cross of Jesus Christ and they are so enamored with what he did, they bow their knee and they live for him forevermore with the cross in mind. But there are others for whom it seems to arouse a level of hatred and disgust that is also stark in contrast to those who've chosen to bow their knee. In fact, I, I'm, I'm actually proud to hold the cross of Jesus Christ up in this place today. Do you know what Paul says in Philippians 3? He says this, he says, To my tears, many have become enemies of the cross. Like, I cannot believe there'd be enemies of the cross. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, some of you will have heard of a man, anybody here heard of a man called Arthur Blessed? Well, that means you're very old. No, I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. Just, just all right, that was really rude. Forgive me, just, okay, let's stop it, stop it. Okay, so Arthur Blessed. <laughs> all right, okay, that was a bad joke I made. I'm in a hole, help me out, please, okay? Old is good, old is good. So Arthur Blessed, in 1965, 
heard Jesus say to him, I want you to carry a cross around the world. And those of you who know him, and you can look it up, he's still alive, still doing it. From that moment onwards, he got this huge cross, and he's carried it around the world ever since because Jesus said, I want you to do that to give the message of the cross to the whole world. He's done over, let me get my facts straight, he's done over uh, 43,340 miles. He's visited 324 countries. His name is in the Guinness Book of Records as the greatest walker ever. And he's met presidents, kings, leaders. And all he's done all his life to this very day is he's carried the cross of Jesus Christ to nation after nation after nation. That's his life. That's a lover of Jesus and the cross. Here's the other side of the coin. Since 2015, many of you will know that in the country of China, there's been an increasingly brutal crusade to extinguish the cross as a visible sign in that nation. How many of you have been following that and seeing it? Okay. It's shocking and it's getting more and more brutal. And what the message being given is, we want to pull the cross down from every church building because we will not have any emblem above the signs of our motherland. We will not have any name put above our president. In fact, they're saying now, instead of every single religious emblem, especially the cross, why didn't you put a picture up of the president above? Can you see the, 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 the war in that? In the nation of China, they're ripping the cross down because they will not have any other name above the name of the president and the motherland. How many of you know we're in a war? Won't we? One man carries a cross all his life. Another man sets his heart to destroy the power of the cross. Let's have a look at Revelation. Just to, This is a cheerful message, by the way. It's going to get gooder. Let's go to Revelation. <laughs> Revelation 12, just to illustrate it. Should be able to come up, hopefully. There you go. Okay. I'm going to read some scriptures this morning. I'm going to look at the clock because I know you're hoping the second half will be your inheritance, okay? So, now the salvation and the power... Let's read it together. Ready? Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ has come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them and night before our God. Next verse. And they, stop, who's they? Us, the brethren, that's us. They, keep going, have conquered him So here we have the end time landscape of the ultimate victory of the cross where the accuser of the brethren who accuses them night and day is overcome by the power of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. How many of you know we're kind of heading towards those days? The battle is hotting up a bit, isn't it? And I want to suggest to you, accusation, the spirit of accusation is rampant in the world and is attempting to undermine the body of Christ. It's the culture of this world is accusation. 
and if in doubt, cancel it. That's the kind of, you know, that's the way it's heading, isn't it? Again, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to hold up a backdrop to the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Why? Because at the cross is the centerpiece of truth that overcomes every single accusation of the enemy of your lives. Yeah? How, how many of you ever suffer accusations? <laughs> if you don't, please just, I don't know, pray for us all or something. Because the, the spirit of the enemy, Satan himself, is to accuse the brethren night and day. But they overcame him by the power of the blood. Accusations are vile, aren't they? Did God say is the ultimate accusation. I feel like... Ah, I feel like we're in danger, and I don't want to be dramatic, of slipping away from some of our faith roots in the weight of the culture of this world and the accusations. I feel like there's a, almost an attempt to drag us from that which is eternally our roots in Christ and to cause us to kind of, oh, maybe God didn't quite say that and maybe that isn't God. And Do you understand? I feel we're meant to be robust champions of the cross to overcome those accusations by the power of the blood. So what's the cross all about? What, what, why, why the cross? Can I, can I just put a backdrop to it and say, every father of any goodness at all has a passion to rescue his kids, doesn't he? I mean, any dad would do anything to rescue his kids. He'll go anywhere. I read a story this week that said, you know the Hawaiian dreadful fires in Hawaii? And there was a father on, a, on some little quip, news clip, and he said, and, and they interviewed him because when the fire came, he had his wife and five children. The fire was raging towards them, burning everything just behind them. And he gathered his family up and he tore towards the sea to jump into the sea with his five children and wife. And he said, and what he said was, we are not going to die this way. And he jumped into the sea with the kids, and they, it was a dramatic story, and he began to sob as he told the story. All five kids were rescued and his wife. But that's a dad. Just, I've got to do it. <laughs> so how much more the most incredibly loving, kind, extraordinary father of all creation would set in motion a plan of rescue even before the creation of the world. The Bible speaks about a lamb slain before the creation of the world. Wow. Could it be? Did he? Did the Trinity sit together like that? I haven't time, but I honestly believe there was a remarkable plan in the Father's heart that should his creation go wrong, they would already have a plan of rescue that would give all the opportunity to come back again. And so it is when Adam sins and falls, and you know the story with Adam and Eve, we don't have time, but in Genesis 3, when Adam sins, God says this to Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You know these scriptures, don't you? And then what does it say? He, the woman's offspring, will crush your head and he Satan's offspring 
will bruise your heel. That is the beginning of the cross-centered rescue plan of all heaven. Already falling onto earth, as soon as sin comes into the world, God says, we're on. This rescue plan is going to begin. And I'm already giving the prophetic word there's going to come a time when the cross of Jesus Christ will happen on earth. And isn't it amazing, this father with Adam and Eve, as soon as they've sinned, what's, what does he do? He clothes them with the skin of an animal. What's that meaning? Already there are signatures of God's deep fatherly rescue saying, although they've done it, my compassion has to clothe their nakedness, their shame. I will already show them that one, someone else will die to clothe them so they're not naked. And if we track through the Old Testament, and I'm sorry if you think it's a little bit tedious to go through the Bible, but actually this is his living word start to finish. So the Old Testament is just as alive as the New Testament. That was a little plug. Because I also hear people saying, okay, stop. So, so, so right through the Old Testament, this unfolding plan of the Father begins to take place from Genesis 3 onwards. If we had time, we could stop at numerous signature points that show this deep sense in the Father that I am willing for another to die in your place as the substitute for what you yourself should receive for the sin. Do you remember in Exodus, the Passover? I love these stories, don't you? You have to because you're in a meeting. Okay. I, but I love them because it reminds me of the extraordinary passion of this father. He doesn't want anyone to miss out on his rescue plan. And so what happens in Exodus 12, I think it is, is that he instructs his people who are oppressed in Egypt that on the night of the Passover, they're to kill a lamb. Find a lamb a year old without blemish. And they're to kill the lamb. Do you remember what they're to do? They get the hyssop. They dip it in the blood of the lamb. They put it on the doorposts and along the lintel down the other doorposts. And they put the blood over their house so that when the judging angel of God comes, he passes over that household because they trust in the God who wants to rescue. I'd want the blood, wouldn't you? All over that doorpost, wouldn't you? If the angel of death is passing through the nation bringing judgment on the gods of Egypt, I like the blood. I like the dad who said, we will not die this way. And so, and so they put the blood all over the doorposts and the angel would come over and, and it was like, we're safe by the blood of a substitute to us having to die. You say, Paul, I know all this. Well, I like going over this eternal narrative of the rescue plan of God to deeply plug my heart into the truth of his rescue, not what this world is saying. Yeah? And so what happens as you go through the Old Testament is two things start to go on. I, I, I wish we had time, but two things are happening. The cry of humanity gets stronger and stronger as they realize the power of sin and what their cry is, we need a savior. We need a savior. God allows that to happen because he's got a plan to send a savior. We need a savior. I'm like, help. <laughs> when I was 22, I didn't know Jesus at all, but my life was such a mess at 22, such a mess. 
Something in me. Do you remember Tony? Do you remember you getting saved, Tony? Do you remember Billy Graham films? Do you remember coming forward in this place and saying, I need a savior? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I picked on him, but it's fun, these stories, aren't they? See, and that cry in the Old Testament of we need a savior is also met by a growing promise from heaven that says, and a savior is coming. And so what you find is the cry gets deeper, but the prophets begin to prophesy more and more extraordinary about someone's coming who's going to rescue the whole earth. How about Isaiah? Which chapter's the big one in Isaiah? Shout it out. Well, yeah, 60's good. See, I like doing this because I, you know, I know my answer. <laughs> All right, 61, 60. But if you back, thank you, if you back up to 53... Or even Isaiah 9, for unto us a child. Listen, this guy is 700. I must keep my voice down, it's a meeting. He's 700 years before the cross happens, and a human being is prophesying in line with the eternal plan of the Father before the whole creation, and he allows his servants to get glimpses, and they prophesy, and they prophesy. And by Isaiah 53, he's saying, For he was pierced. For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us what? Peace. Complete restoring to fellowship was upon him. I can't remember. Oh, and by his wounds, what are we? We are healed. I wish we had time to stop on that profound promise. That the, uh, the enemy is trying to take us away from the power of God to rescue every corner of our being. So Isaiah 53, 700 years before, they didn't even know what altogether, who and when they were talking about. But they were a line of prophetic declarers. He's coming. By the way, this message could last three hours. I just realize as the speed we're going at. <laughs> I look at some of you and think, man, is he nearly done? I must get my phone out soon. Now listen, I, I, I believe as we hold the cross up, the power of God is loosed in a room. And when, when, we, when we transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament... There's a man, again, a human being called John the Baptist. Do you remember him? And he's called the forerunner, the one that goes ahead and begins to declare. And I read it this morning in John 1. It's just amazing. He's, he's just going about his business and suddenly Jesus is coming towards him. <laughs> Listen, he goes, oh, that's nice. Oh, look, there's Jesus. Oh, I think he's the Lamb of God, isn't he? It's, not, it's nothing like that. It's like there's an eruption of the Spirit upon John the Baptist. And I'm, I, I think he shouted. He, yeah, I think he was pretty, look! <laughs> what does he say? The Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the whole world. It's like, I believe there was a deep-seated declaration by the Spirit and John the Baptist said, He's come! We need a savior. A savior's coming. And then the herald stands there in all the anointing of the spirit upon him. And he, he just says, he's here. God himself, Emmanuel, 
forgive me getting excited, okay. He's, he's on the earth. He's come. This hundreds of years of the cry, he's here. And I, th- I, I don't know what John the Baptist did. He couldn't go home and have a cheese sandwich, which he was like, he's just seen the king on the earth. And he's declared, this is the one. I couldn't even untie his sandals, but I saw the spirit come upon him. And <gasps> it's like, wows. And so he's declaring he's come. The lamb of God. And the lamb is the signature description right through the Bible of the idea of one who will die instead of us because they're blameless. And in fact, we haven't time, obviously. In Revelation, (laughs) the lamb is mentioned, I don't know, 29 times or something, but now he's the lamb who sat upon the throne. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. We cry, worthy is the Lamb. And, and as the story goes on and, and, and we get to the cross, I want, I want to highlight a few things. Hmm. How many words did Jesus say on the cross? Does anyone remember? Well, they say the seven last words, don't they, of the cross, yeah. I, I, I want to highlight three words that I think are huge in our ability to receive from the cross, okay? I don't, want to, I don't want to play around with the cross, but I just want to say them. Here they are. It is It is finished. Many people have told me when I've said this, they've said, do you know what that word has a profound sense of completely complete? There's nothing been left out in his sacrificial lamb of God cross death. There's nothing that's been left out that needed to be included for your and my complete rescue. There isn't. It's finished. And do you know what happened as he declares it is finished? Do you know what happened? What's the first thing Matthew says happened? Matthew's gospel is slightly different to John. What's the first thing? I'll tell you because I know I looked it up. In the temple, in the city where the curtain had hung down for centuries to stop men and women having that intimate fellowship with the Father who so wanted them, that curtain, it says, as he gave up his spirit, the first thing was this immense ripping sound began to come from the top of the curtain, from the top of the curtain, 15 foot by 15 foot, you couldn't reach up there, so someone else is ripping the curtain. Who is it? The Father, and I want to suggest to you, and it's only a suggestion, that there's an eruption in heaven as the Son has said, I've done it, it's complete, he gives up his spirit, and then the Father, it's like the Father's finger goes... With this sh- Listen, heaven is pretty exciting. I think the excitement in heaven at the ultimate sacrifice of the Son before the creation of the world, now done, and suddenly the ripping of the curtain by the Father with angels going absolutely, you know, what do angels do? Yeah, just, just crazy, all right? But it's not all nice ordered rings. Holy, holy, holy. It's, I think it would just be eruption in heaven. He's done it. And the father, now, finger, curtain ripping, pulled apart. 
And some of the hymns, aren't they? They say, that all may enter in, that all may flood in, that forevermore throughout uh, history till he comes back, any man and woman who dares to trust in the cross can run through into his presence and forevermore be intimately joined back with him. This is good news, guys. This is the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and, and there's something about it where I think, oh, man, the excitement of the Father. Why? Because the cross is very personal. It's actually about you and me. Do you understand? It's not the kind of corporate, oh, how nice he saved the world. No, in his heart, please hear me, in the mystery of the Lamb of God, he carries your name in himself on the cross and says, I've done it all for you. It's complete. And as the curtain splits, the rocks uh, tears, the rocks begin to split. I think there's an earthquake. There's quite a lot of, um, you know, like the whole cosmos is erupting with a joy. Oh, yes, and then the tombs open up and dead people get out and start walking around. This was quite a day. Come on, guys. It just... The tombs opened up and dead people got out and started walking around. I think resurrection had sprung loose so powerfully that even dead saints could no longer be contained in their cells. I wish I knew, knew what happened to them in the end, but there's no record. It's like, do they hang around a bit? Or Anyway, they're mysteries, aren't they? But there's joy in the mystery, guys. This is the good news of the cross that all may enter in. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I think I'd physically be dead if he hadn't arrested me when I was 22. I don't know. How many of you wonder where you'd be? Seriously. Well, I wasn't that bad. Well, I was. I definitely was. Let me take you to one... You're looking at the clock, aren't you? Look, should we do a deal? Would you like to know when I'm going to finish? Yeah, you got to, you're paid well. Okay, so just come with me to 1 Corinthians. I do want to show you this, guys, because I feel like, I feel like, I feel offensive this morning. I feel I want to be offensive against sounds of an accusing enemy dripping around the saints, trying to cause them to wonder and, and undermine them and question and slip around a bit and wonder about this and wonder about... And actually, I want to declare the absolute eternal truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose again. He came out of the tomb. He was on the earth for a time. He ascended to God. He reigns forevermore. And guess what? He's coming back not too far away. That's the news. So, come with me to 1 Corinthians. I feel offensive because I think the Spirit of God wants us sometimes to kind of, kind of gird ourselves up and say, wait a minute. I, I, I don't want to slide around. I want to be absolutely anchored to the whole salvation of what gave me a new start. Well, the lion roars as well as the lamb dies, right? He's still roaring. Who said that? Good. 1 Corinthians. This is fab. Look at these two verses, could you? <gasps> if only you knew how much I could have shared. All right, stop. Um, this is, oh, come on, help me. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1, 17. Thank you, you guys, you've got it already. P please, could we just read his word carefully? Because this is profound about the cross. 
For Christ, this is Paul talking, okay, did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And by the way, I believe some people in this room are going to be freshly stirred and fanned to become aware again of the joy of the good news they're carrying upon their lives to tell others about. Okay, that was, a, that was just a... And not, watch this, with words of eloquent wisdom. Why? Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Listen to me. What Paul's saying is this is, if I or anyone else tries to be eloquent, um, wise, articulate, clever, um, I sit there thinking, God, I can't talk about the cross. I don't, I don't, it's such a big deal. Supposing I spoil it. If anyone tries to be charismatic and, you know, in their effort to communicate the cross, they're actually in the way of the intrinsic power of the cross in itself to do its work in your and my life. Yeah? So cleverness, articulateness, eloquence sometimes can get in the way of the very power of what God has set that the cross of Jesus Christ will do its work into every hungry heart. It's amazing, isn't it? So we don't want to be too clever, do we, in how we communicate. We want it to do its powerful work that itself. Now look at the next verse. Look at this. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Okay, now just stay with me. Two groups of people. There are foolish people who look at the cross and say, huh, two bits of wood, not even sure it happened 2,000 years or 2,020 years ago, two bits of wood, a man strung up, nailed and you say that's the answer for this world, huh? And some are doing that. Some believers even are wondering about it. The foolishness is it only leads to someone perishing and not having this joyful, beautiful relationship with the Father and the Son. But then, to us who are Say it. That's the ongoingness of a choice we made somewhere in our journey. It is the power of God. Why am I saying it? I want to suggest to you that the cross is not just my past rescue point. It is my today power that continues to transform me with his saving love and grace every single day because it is the power of God. It is the power of God. For those who are being saved, it is now, Sunday, the power of God. Yes? Okay, so, so I suggest when we lift the cross up, demons should flee. Well, there's no demons in here. I, I will... Hey, let's, let's let Jesus decide where he wants to rescue. I suggest when the power of the cross is held up, sick bodies begin to taste that resurrection life and begun to, they, they, begun, they begin to be restored because by his wounds we are healed. I suggest to you that wherever we feel far away from him, there's a huge loving pull to us to come home to him because the curtain's already been torn apart. 
I suggest the cross everywhere, if it's behind us, is shining into us a constant invitation to receive the benefits that Jesus died for. In fact, I'll be honest with you, Sue and I have been talking about this week, I'm really hungry to see the power of God afresh at work. I'm, I'm hungry to see his powerful work all over the place. I'm hungry. I, I, I just believe there's power in the blood of Jesus and the cross that I don't want to forget in all the swish of complications and everything. I want to hold the cross of Jesus up like Paul and say, for those being saved, wherever you are on your journey, it is the power of God to touch every corner of my being. You say to me, well, it hasn't happened for me. And I, I know, guys, listen, I don't really want to. My life is a mix of all sorts of joys and pains and some answer prayer and some are made and some not. And, but I don't want to lose why the king of love died for me. The darling of heaven crucified. I don't want to lose that, do you? I, I don't want. Can we look at one other verse? Okay, it's 1143. We're okay. Thank you, Janet, so much. Could we get that other one in, in 1 Corinthians 2? Okay, here we go. Look, look at this. This is Paul. I decided. He made a decision to know nothing among you except what? And? Like, Paul is the walking revelation ambassador of heaven stashed with things he could talk about stashed with revelation he was a pharisee he knows stuff as well as he had revelation but he made this decision as though no i'm gonna hem myself in that i've decided to know nothing when i come to you except i'm going to promote jesus christ and him crucified well, that's, that's going to be a tricky message, Paul. I mean, in today's culture, you can't talk about crucifixion. Blah, blah, blah. I, I, I believe, actually, it's an eternal message, an eternal salvation, that as we hold Jesus Christ up and the cross, people's lives are transformed by the sheer intrinsic power of what God doesn't want disturbed by cleverness. I really want to honor Tim. He's got his... Can put your camera down a minute? I want to honor you. See, there are some people who, who champion Jesus being central. And there's many of you. Oh, I, don't, I don't want to. But I know this man's heart since I met him. It beats with a longing that Jesus Christ will be central to everything, held up everywhere, loved, worshipped, met with, encountered. It beats in his heart. And I love that because I think, oh God, keep young men, young, aren't you? Young men and women like ablaze about Jesus, not about complications. What do you think? What do you believe in? What? Blah, 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 blah. <gasps> I think I'm nearly done, actually. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, 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 do you mind if I just go a little bit further on this slightly awkward possibility? I don't want things, okay, how can I put this? Be careful. Um, I believe in counsel. I believe in therapy. I believe in every means to make men and women better. I never want those means to outshine the intrinsic power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and make it cross plus. 
It's cross alone. Did you hear what I said? I don't, I'm not denying I've benefited, but they're all rooted back to the cross, which I want to always remember. The cross is behind me. It's complete, Paul. Just keep in the slipstream of all the outcomes of the cross. The Son of Man came not to mitigate Not to sort of help. The Son of Man came to destroy the works of the evil one. That's pretty, that's pretty straight, isn't it? He hasn't got a kind of, oh, well, let's... No, he's come like a lion to destroy. He was the lamb on the cross. He's a lion on the throne. And he's come to destroy the works of the evil one. I've got 15 outcomes of the cross. I'm telling you that because you're not going to see them. Because it's too late. <laughs> no. can, I, can we just put, put them up? I'm going to read them out. That's all. Those, those outcomes. I'm just going to read them out. Then we're going to pray. All right. Here they are. Hopefully. <laughs> These are the first seven I think I picked. It, it may not be. Don't worry if it's not there because... Um, th- th- I've tried to understand what are the outcomes that come out of the cross. Have, have you got them there? Wave at me if you haven't. Don't worry. Or make them up. <laughs> or you do it on the spot and see if they're better than mine. That's all right. Read them out. That's a good idea. Thank you. Oh. Oh, no. That's that. Well, yes. Have you got the actual headings? You can read them out. That's a good idea. I won't, I won't do the verses. I'll just read them out. These are the outcomes of the work of the cross. If you find them, listen, I'll just read them. It reveals a father who so loves us all that he gives his dearest son as the ultimate sacrifice in our place. Oh, come on. It brings death to our old lives. I no longer live. Ouch. We could unpack that one, couldn't we? It promises complete forgiveness of all your sin and debt to God. It gives you the gift of righteousness, blameless in his sight. It fully reconciles you to your Father in heaven, a personal homecoming for you. It removes all shame, condemnation, rejection, and self-hatred by the way we can break agreement with those things through the power of the cross so they go back on the cross and you go free from those horrors. It provides a complete and lasting answer for all brokenness in our lives. Isaiah 60, 61, as Jonathan said. Okay. Can we hold fast to the cross? Can we, can we anchor our hearts into this wonderful, powerful cross? I felt, I really felt from the Lord, I, I had to hold the cross up to, to say and, and, and say, be offensive about it. And um, I, I'm sure I haven't done it, but, but I, I just want to say, can we, can we keep anchored to the cross of Jesus Christ? Will you hold fast 
in your great run on earth to say, never, ever am I going to slip away from the roots that gave me a whole new start. Could I stand up for a minute and we'll just pray. Just um, take a moment in his presence. It's very personal, the cross. It's very personal. It's you realizing what a dramatic intervention he made for me and you. When you ran forward or you held your hand up at some point. But I, I want to just say to you, it is today the power of God. And where where you struggle right now, the power of the cross intervenes and gives you hope and the love of the Father begins just to say, come on, don't, don't stop trusting in the cross. You know, I wouldn't be um, responsible if I didn't give an opportunity for two things. Um, one would be if there's anyone in the room, I don't want you looking around, just, just try and honor the moment. Uh, if there's anyone in the room and you, you've never actually handed your whole life over to Jesus Christ to give you a new start, and um, rescue you from all the troubles that have beset your life. Today, you could just do that. You could just say, look, I, I, I want to give my whole life to Jesus. I didn't realize how much he loves me and what he's done for me. You could just do it. Just say, okay, Jesus, I want to give my whole life to you. There may be some of you here, you just actually have slipped away from the brightness of walking with him. And also, again, another chance to say, well, why don't you just re-center your whole journey on Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've just been in the doldrums. I've been in the gray. And I really want to come back fully to be with you. I don't know whether, okay, just as your eyes are closed, just for a minute before we finish, as your eyes are closed, please, can you just keep your eyes closed? Is there anyone here you'd like to hand your life over to Jesus Christ today and start a whole new start with him? Just wave at me with everybody's eyes closed, can you? I want to just check there's no one you want to do that. Yeah. Is there anyone you need to kind of recommit your life to Jesus? Because it's slid around a bit and you're out in the doldrums and you just want to make a fresh commitment. Would you wave at me, please? I don't want anybody else to look around because I know there are some here. You just need to thank you. Anyone else, you need to do that. Thank you. All right. Just, I tell you what, put your hand up tall, not for me. Nobody's going to look, but it's almost like 
I'm going to own Jesus. Put your hand up tall. Could you just, I want to just pray for you all around the room. Okay. Jesus. Mm. Father, we pray for those who want to make that step back into following you and walking with you. <laughs> Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will put your arm around them. Draw them right back into your presence and let your grace loose upon them so that they can walk again in the brightness of you and your love for them. God, would you give them a new start today? Let grace be on their path. Lord, let it change right now that they're able to make a start that continues in strength of faith. Just sing it one more time to him. Could you just, all of us in the room, were the whole realm of nature mine. Sing it to him.